Welcome to the Fired Coaches Podcast with host Marcus Weger. Each episode, we take a detailed look into the trials and tribulations that college coaches had to go through in their career, reflecting on what matters most. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at Fired Coaches Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. Episode number 40 of the Fired Coaches Podcast. Tonight we have a little bit of a different episode. We're obviously 40 episodes in and we've talked to coaches all the time and that's all great and dandy, but figured it'd be nice to get an athlete perspective from somebody who did quite a bit at the college level. So tonight we have Kyle Jefferson, who went to the University of Wisconsin, was on the football team as a wide receiver, and also ran track and field there as well. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking time. Uh, now a working professional, uh, coaching track as a head track coach at St. Mary Springs Academy in Fond du Lac, and also helping out with football as well. Um, so really excited to kind of get you on here, um, ask you some questions about, obviously, your youth growing up in high school, um, transitioning to UW and kind of what life's been like since then. Um, so I guess to begin, obviously you're an Ohio guy, I believe from Cleveland, Glenville High School, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., Troy Smith, uh, Steve Harvey I looked up as well, Yeah, is an alum as well. Um, and then yourself, obviously. Um, so what made Wisconsin the right fit for you coming from there? And also how much flack have you taken? Because again, a lot of the alums uh, seem to have a lot of Ohio State lineage, and I think maybe Ted Ginn Sr. was a high school football coach of yours as well. Uh, definitely. Um, good question. Uh, I'll just kind of start for what, you know, what made me pick Wisconsin. I, I think the the feel of the area I came to visit kind of fell in love. Um, but I also knew that I had to make a decision for me. Um, I remember sitting down with my parents, and they said, this is your first adult decision, right, where you go you have to be there for the next four or five years. Um, and Wisconsin did some things for me um, from a standpoint of just making me grow up, become more of a man. I'm um, getting away from my own environment, you know, being from Cleveland, inner city, right? You're around, everyone's the same, you know, old state is, um, we know pumped out a lot of people from Glenville went to old state. Um, so I wanted to change the narrative. I wanted to do something different. Um, and I wanted to kind of stand out on my own and says that, you know, I don't need to go to old state to be a, a great player or be, a great person or have great accolades. You can go anywhere and do that. Um, so that's why one reason why I chose Wisconsin. Um, another reason was just like getting out of my own way, right? Like I said, get on an environment, inner city. Um, I wanted to do something different, right? I became a minority, right? You come to Wisconsin and the population for African-Americans or any minority is very low. I mean, the campus when I went there was only 3%, uh, right? So it really made you um, get out of your own shell and really connect with people that don't look like you, which was also important outside of football, outside of track. Um, so that was another reason. Um, and yes, do I get a lot of slack because um, my record today shows that I've only beat Ohio State once in four years. Um, I've had a lot of chances and I've only won one. But the one that I did win um, was the biggest one um, in the school history, right? Knocking off a number one team. I'm at home under the lights. Um, and to be able to be a part of that and playing that was just, you know, just special. So uh, do they still have the better record? But I got the last laugh, I would say. I like that. Uh, I guess two questions off of that. What other schools were you looking at outside of Wisconsin? And was the track and football thing always a part of it from the get-go? Uh, 
So other schools that were on my mind that I, I went and visit. So I visit, of course, I visit Ohio State um, just because they're homeschool. Um, I visited Purdue. I visited Indiana, um, Boston College, um, North Carolina. Um, and then I had, you know, several talks with other schools like Florida State and other schools. And football and track were um, big to me. Um, I wanted to be able to go somewhere where I had the opportunity to do both. Um, and Wisconsin gave me an opportunity. I would, I'll never forget um, Coach Eddie Nettercombe reached out to me and says, hey, we want you to be a Badger. Um, he didn't have to do that. Um, he didn't have to reach out. Um, but he did because he knew how important. And he, I think he knew how special I could be on a track team as well, coming from Ohio and what I could bring. Um, and that was just another reason why to step on campus, right? You, you're getting all the love from coaches reaching out from a different sport. Um, where football usually is the dominating sport and for, for someone from the track and field and that man of his accolades, you know, meant something to me. So that, that kind of pushed me into towards Wisconsin as well. So freshman year, you had an instant impact on the football field. You had 26 receptions, um, just under 500 yards, couple TDs. What do you remember about, again, you're making that big jump, what you're talking about. You wanted to kind of get out of that comfort zone. You leave Ohio and now freshman year, I mean, fall right away, boom, and, and you're on the field and you're producing. What was that like? It was it was special. It was no wrecking, right? You're you're young. I remember going through camp and never been through anything like that, right? You're three weeks of just a grind. Um, and it had some shortfalls, had some opportunities, had some really a really magical plays then and there. But this the game speed was different, right? I, I'm a fast guy. Um, I'll never forget. I, I catch a slant um, and I cut off field. I remember Jonathan can see us is literally like on my tail. And then I remember I stopped it, you know, I looked there and was like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, you're not the only one that's fast. So like understanding the game speed, but also understanding the playbook, right? The playbook was, was pro style. It was different from the spread of high school. So trying to study and understand the plays. Um, I'll be the first person to tell you, like, I, I messed up plays. Um, to this day, like, <laughs> there was a play call. My, actually, my first touchdown against Michigan State, I actually ran the wrong route. And it just happened that TD just threw it. He's like, all right, whatever. Looks like he's gone. So I'm just going to let it go. I mean, it worked out. It worked out well for me. Um, so just understanding the playbook, understanding the scheme and, and trying to learn how to read defense, right? In high school, you don't have to do that, right? Everyone's a, you know, typically a cover four, a cover three, or just mostly man to man, especially at the D1 level that I played. But in college, you, you, they mix it up. You can have a cover six, you can have a cover three, you can have a cover three sky, um, you can have a two-man, right? you man under. There's so many more things that you have to plan for and look at from a DP standpoint that it makes it a little bit more challenging um, than what most people think. Talk about – this is a great topic I think you're bringing up. Um, in terms of getting in there, you're trying to figure out playbook. You're going through something that's completely different. Um, as you go along, which we'll talk about your career here, but how is balancing all of that? You know, you're doing the track. You're doing the football. You have the school. You're trying to figure out playbooks. You have all the different defenses and coverages and – I mean, obviously it's a lot and obviously, you know, it's, it's, I think painted more of a picture nowadays in the media, but you know, a decade ago, it wasn't really talked about much. So what was that like? Difficult. Uh, the balance of school and football, being a freshman, being on your own, like not having mom and dad to tell you what to do. Um, I struggled. Like I, my first semester, I struggled. Um, and I struggled for the fact of, I didn't have balance. Right. I was all in on, you know, football because I was playing. I was a freshman. Things happened. And then school was still a priority, but it wasn't 
it wasn't at the at my top of my mind, right? It was like, I need to get in a playbook. I need to study. I'm a freshman. I'm stupid. I need to understand what I'm doing so I don't mess up and have all these mistakes. Um, and then I found myself in a position where uh, my grades wasn't where they needed to be. Now, now I'm trying to backtrack and pick up my grades as well as continue to contribute on the field. And I found myself I'm in a very uncomfortable position, which was good, right? It was a learning lesson. It was a lesson that a lot of people, a lot of athletes go through. Um, some, are, some are more impactful than others, but it's a lesson that you learn because now you're becoming how to do time management. You know, where does, where's my priorities? What do I need to accomplish today? Um, and then what can I push off and do tomorrow? Um, so it, it, was, it was a grind, it was a challenge. And then track, it was kind of weird um, my freshman year after football season, you know, I'm coming back, I'm training for track, but I end up actually not running track my freshman year um, outdoors um, because of the balance things. I didn't have the right balance. Uh, my grades wasn't where they needed to be um, in the eyes of myself or the eyes of my coaches. Um, so I end up not running outdoor track, I end up concentrating on school and get my grades back and get my GPA up because um, you realize today, right? I think about it now, like how important it was me to you know, have good grades and go to class and really understand what they were teaching so that I could be in the work and where I have an opportunity to have the job I have today. Over the next three years, obviously, you were still in the mix at the receiver position, um, you know, didn't have as many opportunities as you did freshman year, but you also took some violent hits. Um, I remember watching the Michigan State game live, um, the Minnesota game. How did you continue to battle back after, you know, taking some of those? Again, nowadays, there's obviously the targeting in college football, which wasn't back then. Um, but, I mean, really, it took some brutal hits. How did you just continue to bounce back and, and have that attitude? Uh, it, it was pretty tough. Um, to be honest, I, sometimes I don't know, right? Because um, I think part of it was the desire to want to comp- continue to play football and try to get to the next level. Um, another part was I didn't want to give up on myself. Um, I didn't want to give up on my teammates. Um, but over the course of the next three years, I mean, I still played a ton, didn't get a lot of catches or things I wanted, but I still saw the field a lot. Um, but I think I, I came, I had a point where like, I didn't know what I wanted, right? I, I found myself with, you know, two major hits on national television, um, two, two plays that knocked me out of games. And I'm thinking I got concussions, you know, and I'm starting to second guess myself. I'm starting to, is football really the answer? Do I really need to be playing this sport? You know, am I playing football for myself or am I playing for my, you know, for my community? Am I playing for the next kid behind me that may get a concussion and be like, may think the same things of what I'm doing. So there's a lot of things going through my mind. And, and I found that transition on the field where in practices, I wasn't, I wasn't as detailed as I needed to be. Right. I seen myself struggling and seeing myself not being confident in, in my own talent and my own skill, um, which, you know, kind of is one of the reasons why I didn't see as many passes as I should have saw. Um, but then I, I shook out of it. Right. I shook out of it. My senior year, I shook out it pretty good. And I realized that I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my well-being. I'm doing this for my kids. When they look back and ask me about, you know, my career, I can say, hey, you can always Google me and see that I got knocked out, right? But what you don't see is that I got back up and I continue to fight. Um, I continue to battle through, you know, depression and battle through the struggles of, you know, everything that's happened before that. So 
the hits the hits suck right i think youtube I, I get on youtube every now and again and take a look at it just to make me realize of how fortunate i am um, but it also makes me realize that you know at the blink of a moment these opportunities can be gone um so I, I take all of it now and understand how you know it's built me up and pushed me to where I am today. Absolutely, and I give you a lot of credit for bouncing back because again, yeah, I mean, so many times, and again, a lot of the coaches that we've had on here, um, or at least a few of them, we've talked a lot more recently about kind of the transfer portal and how big that is, and whether it's opportunities or you know change the scenery or whatever it is. Um, I give you a lot of credit for sticking through things. I mean, was there ever a thought of that of? for whatever reason, like you said, freshman year, you're struggling with that um, transition to college and you don't do outdoor track. Was there ever that thought of like, man, I, maybe I need to get back to home closer to be by family or just need a different change of scenery because this is a lot different than maybe what you anticipated to be in. Yes. I, man, I think uh, the summer, the summer going into my sophomore year, we had some time to go home and visit with family I um, mean, I reflected on it, reflected on a year. And like, I, I remember sitting down and says, I don't know if this is for me, right? I don't know if Wisconsin is the place that I should be at. I should be closer to home. Maybe I should transfer and sit a year um, and, you know, take it as a redshirt and transfer to a home state school like uh, Cincinnati or Akron or Kent State or whatever, whatever school that would take me and still give me my scholarship. Um, but I remember having, you know, conversations with, you know, my family and especially my mom. And I remember her saying, she's like, she's like, what are you going to prove if you, you know, you transfer, you know, at that time, what are you proving to yourself? What are you proving to everyone in your community that watched you sign your letter intent and gave you high fives and are supporting you? Are you, you know, are you giving up because it's hard? Or are you giving, or are you really saying that I just don't like it being there? And that was a that was a very challenging question because she made a she made a good point. I love Madison. I love Wisconsin. Right. So it wasn't because I was homesick. It was it was more because I didn't have the balance and I wasn't doing the things the right way to give myself an opportunity to be successful. And I think she challenged me. I think she put it back into my wheelhouse and says, who, who are you going to be when you have kids and they're you know talking to you about certain things? Right, you're gonna are you gonna have the conversation that says, oh, you can't do that and be a hypocrite. Um, so I give my mom a lot of credit, and she, you know, things started to work out for me, and I started to get a better balance as I got older. And um, like I said, I I commend her for challenging me to really think outside of the box and not just give up because you can't be, you know, 30 minutes from home or two hours from home and you know, have mom come visit you. You gotta stick it out. You have or your parents, you gotta stick it out. So that was, that was huge. Yeah, that's some great motherly advice. That's awesome. Um, you kind of mentioned it at the intro. Um, I'm assuming your most favorite memory in college football was maybe that Ohio State game, um, your senior year under the lights, number one. I think David Gilreath had that opening kickoff for a touchdown and obviously a great environment there. But outside of that, was there any other memories that really stick out to you? Like, man, that was, that was awesome. Um, I would say playing at Penn State as a freshman. Um, and, you know, going, you know, just having a field day, just, you know, they had some of the best corners, the best defense, and for me to capitalize and go for over 100 yards and really show that I can play at this level was impactful, especially in an environment like Penn State at night. You know, they had their whiteout 
which was different for me. There, you know, a hundred thousand plus is scary, screaming and hollering. So um, that was a memory. And I would tell you, anytime I get to go back to Ohio and play Ohio State at Ohio State, um, it was always fun. It's always a memory because um, I have teammates from high school that play on them. So, you know, after the games, you know, I go over there and be like, you know, your DB didn't stand a chance, you know, so it's always good to talk to them and really, you know, have that connection and, you know, just wish each other good luck. And I guess, you know, the biggest one is all is just being around my teammates. Like we had a lot of fun, right. On the field, off the field. Um, those four years were just magical, right. From the start to finish, even, if, even in the bad spots, um, I wouldn't regret it. I wouldn't take it away. Um, and I made a lot of friends and even coaching, right. Even today, like coach Chris is always someone that I can reach out to and talk to because of the connection that we made over those four years. So as we've talked about a little bit, you're a track guy as well. Uh, you competed in the open 100, the open two, the open four, also those relays as well. Um, what was your favorite event to compete in out of those? The kids are, the kids are going to be funny when they actually listen to this one. Um, I, I loved them all. Uh, but the four by four, and the 400 uh, are are just my favorites. It, it's it's something about the grit and grind of the of the four by four um, and the 400 that makes me want to continue to run. Um, I think the 400 is probably one of the reasons why I coach is because I know that race is special, um, and I know the four by four is one of those races. It's the it's the last race of the day. How do you want to be remembered? Um, so those are my two favorites. I mean, I would say the 200, I got a lot better at, um, just because of technique and block work. Um, but the 400 or four by four would be by far be my favorite race. So the 100, I think you had a 10, eight, seven, uh, 200, uh, 20, eight, seven, and then a 400, a 46, eight, five, I believe were your outdoor PRs, if I'm correct. Um, right. which, which I, I ran track in high school, uh, the only sport I was all conference in and my 400 and the four by four my split, you probably would have lapped me with that time, but uh, I definitely understand what you're saying too. I mean, that four by four race at the end of the day is what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's super exciting. I know there's a lot of people out there like, Oh, you know, you run for fun, but I'm like, you go to a track meet and you watch a four by four and then you'll see why people run. Um, you know, 2012, you guys won the outdoor title. Can you kind of talk about kind of putting a bow on the end of your college career with that? Obviously you had a big part. Um, I believe in that four by four, um, towards the end and just what that was all about. Special, special. Uh, it's the last everything, right? It's the, you know, it's the week before graduation. My dad's up, uh, just special, right? I mean, it came down that Nebraska's in our, you know, Nebraska's in our conference. They're the big wigs, you know, their track team is, is, you know, ranked in the, in the nation in the top 25, um, and I'll never forget um, the second day is packed. If anyone's ever been to Madison's track and field facility, they know there's no stands, right? There's, there's, there's a hill, there's some old stands, um, and there's a lot of places to stand. And that place was packed. I, I couldn't even believe it. I still have the picture somewhere on my wall um, in my house, and it was packed. And I'll never forget um just talking to different people um and they I never someone walked up to me and says hey you go out here and you win this right if you will always be remembered for this 
right? You can't do it by yourself, but I have a feeling that it's going to come down to you and other guys putting it together to win it. But I personally telling you, you need to make ensure that we don't lose. And I don't, and I, that- I, I don't mean to stop you here, but from the article I read, you were not feeling well that day either. No, pretty not feeling well at all. Um, got sick. And most of it was from like dehydration. Um, to run seven races in two days and to run a 200, 400 back to back is is brutal in college. Right. A lot of people don't do it because it's so hard. It's so taxing on your body. Um, and I almost didn't make it to the four by four. Right. I remember Coach Guthrie, who was our sprint coach at the time, um, called in, you know, called in a sub just because they didn't think I could make it. Um, lucky enough, the trainers came over um, and they gave me the opportunity to run. And Coach Guthrie told me, he's like, just if you do this, you have to get from start to finish. Um, and at that point, there was this was it. Right. I locked myself in and said, this is the last race that I'm going to run at this facility on this day, you know, how am I going to go out? And I left it, I left it all out there. Um, I remember Guthrie came over and he said, I got your split, right? You were 45 flat. Um, and then after that, he said, I didn't, I just cheered. Um, and I gave everything I had. Um, that memory lasts forever, right? That was special um, because we did it at home. We did it together. Um, Muhammad Humeo, who's running for, you know, Nike right now and Maverick Darling and all those other guys. It wasn't just me. It was a group. Um, and that was a team film. We did it at home in front of all of our fans. Um, and tell you what, I having my dad there was special um, because I remember my dad watching me my last high school race. And he got to see me. He got to watch my last college race. Um, and I left the same way a champion. Um, so that part was super special to me. And you were in the third leg that day of that, right? Yep. The third leg is the horse leg. They say, right. You put your, your best runner third, um, and you put your second to best runner last. Awesome. Um, can we backtrack just a little bit going into that spring of 2012? Um, or maybe it was a little bit before that when you had your pro day at Wisconsin, um, cause you finished, uh, playing, uh, in 2010, which would have been 2011 for the spring. So you do the pro day um, and you decided after that to compete in your last year of track. How difficult of a decision was that to make it to kind of forego any more football um, that your career had kind of been exhausted? The pro day came and went and that you decided to stick around for that last year of track. Yeah, I think I started thinking about like my education. Um, I started thinking about, you know, the grind of football and it, do I really want to put myself through that? You know, there's a small, it's a small number of guys that make it past four years um and I was like man what's more important to me do I want to go out and risk my body and get more concussions and have more you know long-term effects or do do I want to really pile in get my degree you know finish out my my track career see if I can do something with track um, and move on from there and I think my education became first um I knew how important it was for me to graduate from college um, because before that, the only person that had graduated in my family was was my dad, right? So you think about that. My dad has been a long time. Let's just put it that way, <laughs> right? It's a long, there's a big gap between that. And I think that was important, not just for me, but for my family. For me to walk the stage um, and graduate um, was special, right? My grandmother, 
got to see that, you know, my parents, like my siblings, right? And for me to do it, my family members, right? I think that was important to really stand up and says, hey, I'm not doing this just for myself, it's for my family too. It's, it's my education. I want to prove that, you know, these four or five years didn't go were for nothing. It was for, for me to get this piece of paper and said I accomplished something that can be bigger than sports, that can take me a lot farther than sports. Um, so I knew how important that was. And I knew how important it was to the community, my community, right? Just to know that football didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but I still got my degree. Um, and I did it the right way. And I think that's one of the memories that I always preach or I talk about when I go back home is that sports can pave the way for a lot of things. It can pave the way for your education. But at some point, you need your education to take you other places too. Um, so I think that was, you know, the message. And I think that was important to me. So obviously graduating from UW alone is a feat in itself, but being a multi-sport guy and sticking it through for all that, all those years, I mean, again, obviously I know there's people that have done it, but there's not a lot of people that have been able to do that, that rigorous kind of schedule, which we talked about earlier. Not so much in that moment where you finish off conference, you guys win it at home. But after that, we've talked a lot on here about, you know, coaches primarily, but you get out of coaching. And even though people like myself, you know, don't really have an ego at all, but you always have that stigma, like you're a coach, you're a coach, you're a coach. When you're not doing it, you kind of feel a little bit lost. How has that been from your standpoint of being an athlete? And I'm sure you're still active and obviously still involved with athletics, but how much has that changed where you were such an athlete and doing both of those? And then you don't have that anymore. Uh, I struggle. I struggle quite a bit. Um, Cause you're so used to an athletic mindset. You're so used to like, I got to go, I got to be the fastest. I got to be the strongest. And you're trying to transition that to like the working world. And there's a lot of people that don't understand that part, even today. So I, I struggle. I struggle to connect. Um, I struggle to, like, find balance. Um, it put me in a spot where, like, there was depression. There was, you know, anxiety. There was all type of things because I'm so used to one way. Now I got to change. And that change didn't relate the way I needed it to relate, right? I was so more trying to push myself and really says, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. Now I'm bigger, faster, stronger. And I'm trying to take that mindset and put it into the working world. And it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you have to, you know, have more patience. You have to be more diligent. Um, so I, I struggle. I struggle for a while. Um, and even today, I'm, I'm, even today, I find myself in certain parts where I struggle, right? Because you want to go, right? You want to, you want to just keep moving as fast as you can. And you want to outdo your competition or even sometimes you want to even outdo your own peers, right? And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's just a way about, it's a way of how you do it. And like, sometimes I struggle with that because sometimes my mind switches back into being a full-blown, you know, 22 year old athlete trying to go, and I think that's one of the reasons why I got into coaching um, is to take some of that and give it back, give back the knowledge, which now I'm giving it back in football as a receiver coach. And I'm giving it back as a head track coach. It's giving back that knowledge and those opportunities and sharing those stories that I had, you know, from my high school career, my college career, and really just 
telling them that you can do this or here's how you can make things different. But but the struggle is real. Like I, there's days where I'm I'm awesome, and there's days where I'm like, man, like you know you know what am I doing? So I think I still battle some of those demons of trying to remove myself as an athlete in the working world. And I have to depend on my wife sometimes to kind of bring me back to reality. I mean, she does a very good job as well because she was an athlete, so she kind of understands it. And she helps you coach track as well, correct? <clears throat> yes. So she's one of the reasons why I'm coaching. If, if, if no one knows, my wife is one of the reasons why I'm coaching. Um, she helped me find that. She helped me find that patch in coaching. Um, and I commend her for that because she knew how much sports meant to me. And she found a way for me to give back and, and give back in a big way. Um, so she's a huge, she's a huge reason why, like I'm a coach today and I, I get the opportunity now. So I'm going to thank her publicly and tell her, thank you uh, for pushing me to be a coach and continue to push me to, you know, expand my horizon and give more knowledge and not being selfish about the knowledge that I had and experience that I had growing up. What's been your biggest challenge as a coach? Um, you kind of touched on some of that from the athlete perspective, but basically changing those gears from being that athlete to being able to go on the field, run your route, run faster than somebody, really control that yourself internally. How have you either found challenges or overcome things and learned over the last few years of coaching on how you can kind of get people to, um, you know, find, find more in themselves. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Uh, but I think just, just being true to myself and understand who my group is. Like I, I talk, I think I'll use the receivers, right. It's, it's tough, right. Springs is not a huge, we're not a huge passing team. Um, but it's, it's convincing and making sure the kids understand that you always have to be ready to go right next man up mentality. And now I use it differently. It's like, Hey, when it's time to throw, we have to be ready. Got to catch it. Got to make a move, get a first down, do whatever we need to do to help, help the team move the chains and win a game. Um, but the challenge in that is like some of the kids have never played receiver before. So you're going through that and trying to teach them how to play receiver, teach them how to run routes. Sometimes you got to teach them how to catch with their hands. <laughs> um, but also I think some of the challenges is, is, is trusting each other, right? Me trusting the other coaching staff and the coaches trusting me. And that takes time. Um, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things that I had to learn is that, you know, just because I went to Madison and I played and I did different things, you still have to build that trust with the other coaches. And I think that part is difficult because sometimes they can see you as a threat. And I don't think the coaches at spring see me as a threat at any point of time, but you never know, right? So you're trying to navigate through that and figure out, you know, where do I fit in? Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning, you know, where do I fit? You know, how can I continue to hope uh, on, in all phases of the game? Because I still have so much knowledge that I haven't given. Um, and, and that's my own, you know, that's my own struggle is, you know, to continue to give more, right? I think every year I've gotten better in giving more. 
And I got to continue that. Um, but I know sometimes I get in my own head is like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to share. And that's, that's not how you I need to think. I need to think that, you know, everything that I give to the kids is, can be a life lesson for them later that they don't think about. Or a play that I may help draw out, maybe a play that help us get over a hump from a team that, you know, has us kind of pinned in a corner. So there's a lot of different things. And, and the same things for track, just giving knowledge, um, giving experiences, because track is more mental. You have to be mentally tough to be a track athlete. And if anybody can prove me wrong or tell me otherwise, I'll be more than happy to make a bet with them and says, I think track is the most mental sport to me. Um, I think track is super mental. You got to be mentally tough because all you do is run. And then sometimes you're running in a lane by yourself against anywhere from six to eight other people. So you have to be mentally tough to want to beat that person next to you and have the endurance to keep pushing when you're tired. Um, so I think, I think coaching is, is definitely something that it continues to make you grow. Um, and it teaches you how to connect with kids, which is, which is important as well. Well, I think it's great that you have that balance of the team sport concept with football, but also the track and field and being that individual athlete. Cause I'll tell you that there's not a more nerve wracking thing than stepping up to a line, you know, waiting for that gun to go off and knowing that in that race, you know, unless it's a relay, but even if it's a relay, right, there's such a big part of that individual part there. Um, that, yeah, that's a little different than, again, lining up at receiver or playing point guard of the basketball team when you have everybody else out there with you. Um, I guess to kind of finish up here, um, you know, you're coaching football, you're coaching track, you're a father, you're also a working professional too. Um, you know, what do you kind of do each day, each week to get better as a leader? Big question. Uh, like, is there anything else? Is, is there any, anything out there that that you read or you like to follow or inspirational type stuff or anything like that that you've come across that that really sticks with you? Kids, um, following just kids. Like I follow community groups back home. Um, there's groups here. Um, the kids push me to want to be a better leader every day. Right, I know if. If I'm not doing the right things, they may not do the right things. Um, I read, I listen to a ton of podcasts, right? The, the one I listen to currently today um, is I Am Athlete with, you know, Chad Ococinco and Brandon Marshall. And I listen to them because of the topics that they talk about are real. And they really make you think about, you know, football. They make you think about life. They make you think about a lot of different things, but I really like listening to them because they talk about their experience at that level and what they went through. And they share things that you did never, you would never know, you know, sharing, you know, their concussion stories or their challenges of getting cut or, you know, not learning the plays. Like Ocho Cinco, he told me he went to, he went to, he would play for the Patriots and he was like, dude, I just can't keep up. Right. And just being real. Um, which there's, just, an, there's not enough of that out there, right? So when you hear those things, I mean, it, it means a lot. It means a lot. And that's, you know, and that makes me get out of my own head and say, all right, he's been a leader. He's expressing himself. He's telling us things that we didn't know. And now it's time for me to front of, and express to the kids, 
the things that they don't know where I came from. <clears throat> the reasons why you need to go to school and get good grades and, and listen, be respectful, understand what's around you. Um, I think the biggest thing is when I wake up is, I mean, I look at my son, right? You know, how, how do I want him to grow up? How do I want to lead him? Because he's the next generation. Um, so he's my motivation to get up and make sure that, you know, everything's in a row from a professional standpoint, right? Making sure that my schedule's together, make sure that I have things in order. What is my plan for today? Um, things that I do now is, right, I use my calendar for everything. Even if it's for me just to send a reminder that says, hey, you need to email this person, right? Or you need to follow up with this. Um, just to stay, as a, as a way to be balanced, um, a way to not get what's the best word and I get uh, consumed into your own work make sure you have balance um, and just make sure that I, you know I'm having fun I think some of the best leaders are the ones that have fun uh, I use Oprah Oprah has fun she's a great leader Obama I read Obama's book probably one of the most powerful books I've ever read mine is mine is Donald Driver his book is also really good um, and just Looking at articles every day, I try to get on Google and says, what is the leadership quote of the day, right? Because I think that's important is to, sometimes you need a quote, right? And that, sometimes I put the quote out on my, on my Instagram. Um, and sometimes I'm, you know, I'm selfish and keep the quote to myself, you know? So there's a lot of ways to be a good leader. Um, sometimes you just got to find your niche. But I think all good leaders have failures and they fail at something or they have failed in, you know, a year or they failed in, you know, they, no leader is great or good unless they've had failures. Um, and I, I share that because even myself, I've had failures, you know, it's 2022 and it's only March and I've had a few failures there and I'm learning from them how to be better so I don't have a repetitive issue again. So um, those are just some of the things that I do. And other than that, I, I, I use the kids as motivation to continue to make me better, um, not just personally, but professionally as well. That's great insight. Appreciate you sharing. Appreciate those words about all successful people do have failures, right? And again, that's where this podcast kind of all originated from with a lot of these being coaches, obviously, but people getting to points in their career where, you know, they were successful in some realm and then had some fallback. But again, you know, in today's world, like you're talking about with Ocho Cinco and Brandon Marshall, there isn't enough of that real talk and it's okay to explain that, yeah, I messed up plays or that wasn't a good fit for me you know, um, so it's always good to hear those things. So Kyle, I appreciate you sitting down, sharing your experience, sharing your wisdom with the kids you coach and uh, best of luck this spring with the track season. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Um, I'll tell you just to continue on with this because this is powerful for a lot of people to hear different voices. I think you're doing a really good job. Well, I appreciate it, man. Best of luck with things. Thank you.